As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. It's going to be important to break apart these different types of units because they're all going to have different current rents. They're all going to have different rents once you actually stabilize the property. And they're all going to cost a different amount of money to actually renovate. You need to know all of that in order to have the most accurate underwriting as possible. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode 
And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that are focused on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. Most of these are series, two-part, four-part, six-part, one of them even eight parts. And for the majority of these series, we will offer some sort of document or spreadsheet or resource for you to download for free. All of these free resources, as well as the past Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be part one of series number 13, so pretty well into the syndication process. So far, we've gone from someone who has really no experience, no education, to the point where they're able to find a deal. And after you find a deal, the next thing you need to understand how to do, and the next thing you're going to do is underwrite the deal. So before we get into the actual underwriting process, it's important to understand what all is needed in order to underwrite the deal. So this series, it'll likely be a a six-part series, and it's going to focus on the three things that you need in order to initially underwrite a deal. And that's going to be the rent roll, the T12 slash profit and loss statement slash financial statements, and if the deal's on market, the offering memorandum. So in this part one, as well as tomorrow's episode part two, we're going to discuss the rent roll. Then next week in parts three and four, we're going to discuss the T12. And then parts five and six are going to focus on the offering memorandum. This series is going to be entitled Breaking Down the Financial Documents. So this is going to be part one and two, which is the rent roll. So by the end of this episode, as well as tomorrow's episode, because I'm not exactly sure how far into this rent roll I'm going to go today, but by the end of these two episodes... You're going to learn what a rent roll is. You're going to learn how you actually obtain a rent roll, why you need a rent roll. We're actually going to go through a sample rent roll and talk about every single line item and metric that's on the rent roll, how to find the data on the rent roll that you need for underwriting, and then just some kind of overall other things to look for and take into account when you are underwriting your deals using the rent roll. So let's jump right in with the first part, which is what is a rent roll. So a more formal definition of a rent roll is that it is an account or schedule of rents, the amount due from each tenant and the total amount of money received. Essentially, what it is, it's going to be essentially a roster of all the units at your property and the metrics of that unit. And we'll get into what those metrics are in a little bit, but everything you need to know about the individual units at the apartment community will be outlined in the rent roll. Now, something that's important to know is that not all rent rolls are going to be the same. And obviously there are gonna be different number of units, different description codes, different amounts of rent, different market rents. That's not what I mean. I mean the information actually provided on the rent roll is going to be different. So for this episode, we're going to focus on a very detailed rent roll probably as detailed as we're going to see. 
just so that we can cover every single thing that could potentially be in the rent roll. But this rent roll is generated by property management software. This is actually a, a real deal that Joe has done. They've already sold this deal, so I'm able to use it for this episode. But sometimes, especially if you're just starting out and you're looking at smaller deals, or if you're looking at a deal that's self-managed, they might not be using a property management software, so they might not be able to generate such a nice and clean and detailed rent roll. So sometimes they might only have a few metrics on there, just the unit number, who's living there, when they moved in, what they're paying in rent. Or other times, they might just have a name and the rent, and that's it. I know for the 12 units that I bought in Cincinnati, the rent roll was was very basic. I think it only had three columns. One was the unit number, two was the person living there, and three was the amount of rent they were paying. And as it turned out, those rents that they were paying weren't actually accurate. They weren't the same rents that are being paid on the leases. So the whole point is that when you are looking at deals, don't expect to see a nice clean rent roll every single time. Sometimes you might have to put forth a little more effort in order to uncover the data sets that you need in order to underwrite the deal, which we will discuss in this series. So now that you know what a rent roll is, how do you get the rent roll? So if the deal is on market, which means it is listed by a commercial real estate broker, then typically you're going to get the rent roll from the listing broker. So depending on the broker, they might have a website where they list all of their deals. You'll come across a deal that meets your investment criteria, click on it, and the rent roll will be available for download. Sometimes you have to submit a confidentiality agreement first with the brokerage before they give you access to their portal. Other times, a deal might have just gone live and they don't have a rent roll yet to get the wait, and they'll just have some summarized rental information instead. So there's a variety of ways to actually get it from the broker, but overall, if it's on market, the broker is the person that you're going to get the rent roll from. If the deal is not listed with a broker, therefore it's an off-market opportunity, then you are going to get the rent roll from whoever the point person is for that off-market deal, which is most likely going to be the owner, but it could also be the property management company. If you remember, in the previous series where we just talked about how to find your first deal, when you are pursuing these off-market opportunities, I mentioned that the rent roll is one of the two things you need to obtain from the owner. So last week, if you don't really have much knowledge of apartment syndications, then you're asking for a rent roll and you don't really know if what they're giving you is actually the rent roll. But after listening to this episode and downloading the rent roll that we will put in the show notes of this episode, as well as on syndicationschool.com, you will have an understanding of what a rent roll actually looks like. But overall, you're either going to get the rent roll from the broker or from the property management company or the owner of the property. Now, why do you need a rent roll? Pretty obvious answer, at least in part. So we're going to need the rent roll to underwrite the deal because when you're underwriting the deal, which will probably be the next series that we do. So once we get through this six-part series, we'll do a long series going into extreme detail on how to underwrite deals. But when we get to that point, you will know that you need to input the current rental information of the property so that you can use that to one, determine where the property is at now, and two, to also understand what the rental premium could potentially be once you take over the property and implement your value-add business plan. So towards the end of this episode, once we go over the metrics, I'll explain what metrics specifically are used for underwriting, but for now, just know that the rent roll is going to be one of the vital pieces 
toward underwriting a deal. But then also, once you actually acquire the property, and as you begin to implement your business plan, you're going to want to provide your investors with a rent roll at least a few times a year. We do it on a quarterly basis. So we do our monthly email updates, and then on a quarterly basis, in those email updates, we will provide links for investors to download the rent roll. And of course, the reason for doing that is in order for the investors to see how the actual property is performing compared to the projections. Uh, The other financial that we provide is also the the T12, which will be the focus of parts three and four. So the two things that you're going to use as rentable for are for underwriting as well as for the quarterly financial statements provided to your investors. Those are the two main things at least. So I guess technically a third time you need a rent roll is when you're teaching what a rent roll is to people in syndication school. So those are the two main things you will use it for, underwriting and quarterly financials. Now, for the meat of this episode, this series is going to be going over the different metrics that are on the rent roll. So we're going to go through as many of these as we can until the end of the episode, and then we will finish off the metrics tomorrow, as well as discuss exactly what metrics you need in order to underwrite, as well as a few other things to keep in mind when you are analyzing the rent rolls. So if you're listening to this in your car, I'm going to be as descriptive as possible. But once you're back home, I recommend downloading the rent roll on syndicationschool.com or the one in the show notes, just so you can kind of get a visual representation of what I'm saying right now. But I think I'll be descriptive enough that you don't need to download this, but it will be helpful. So the rent roll is going to be in Excel. Sometimes it might be a PDF, so you might need to actually convert the PDF to Excel first because you're going to want to do some math. And of course, you can't technically do it on just keeping it PDF and using your cell phone calculator, but it's a lot easier if you just convert the entire thing to Excel. That way you can use the built-in formulas on Excel to do that math. But what you're going to see is you're going to see a variety of different columns and you're going to see and each column has a different metric for the property so you've got unit you've got a unit type square footage the person living there the rents when they moved in so each unit will have its own row in the excel document and actually each unit will have multiple rows because sometimes there are multiple charges that the tenant is paying or that the person that's occupying the unit is paying, and so those are kind of stacked on top of each other. So each unit will have three to four rows, which whenever we are underwriting our deals, we will typically convert this PDF to Excel, and then we will sort the document so that each unit has its own row, and the only charge code that we take into account is going to be the rent. So just think of your typical data table with columns that have headers, And then below each of those headers are what that is for each of the units. So we're going to go over each of these column headers and describe what they mean. So first we've got the unit. So that is going to be the actual number or letter designation for the address of the unit. So this property is on 123 Main Street. Then looking on here, the first unit is going to be 57. So that person's address is 123 Main Street, Unit 57 or Apartment 57. Next, on this particular rent roll, it says type, but what it's referring to is the unit type or the floor plan type. What that is, is a letter and or number 
designation for the actual unit type. So sometimes on rent rolls, sometimes it'll just be A, B, C, D. A being one bedroom, B being two bedrooms, C being three bedrooms, and D being four bedrooms. Sometimes you might have a very, very long code where the only thing that really matters to you or the only thing that describes the unit type are the last few digits in that code. Other times, there will be A1 and A2 that breaks apart two different types of one-bedroom unit. So maybe A1 is going to be one bed, one bath that's 800 square feet. A2 is one bed, one bath that's going to be 900 square feet. And then the most detailed you're going to see, which is what you'll see on this rent roll, is going to be not only is it differentiating between different types of one-bedroom units, but it's also differentiating between the different quality of one-bedroom units. So for example, if you look at the first five or six units on this rent roll, you'll see an A2R, an A2P, an A2U. So A is referring to a one-bedroom, one-bath unit. That two is referring to, okay, there's at least two different sized one-bed, one-bath units. So two is going to be either the largest or something that's larger than that one. Then you've got R, P, and U. So what do those mean? So R means renovated. So that would be a unit that's fully renovated. P is going to be a unit that's partially renovated. And then U is going to be a unit that is upgraded to a different degree than R. So it's either upgraded to a higher level or it's upgraded to a lower level than the R. So for this particular property, I believe all there is is a R, P, and a U. Now, I guess one other thing is that you might see if you're going to rent roll after you've acquired the property, you might have different codes for units that were renovated by the previous owners and units that were renovated by you, just because you might have used different materials. And a couple other things that I can think of that might give it a different unit designation would be if there is a patio or a balcony at one of these units, first floor versus the second floor unit, a unit that's closer to the front of the community versus a community towards the back of the community, maybe a unit that has a very nice view. So there's lots of different levels of renovations or different unit designations that you will see. Again, it could be very, very complicated or it could be as basic as A, B, C, D. Just depends on what software was used. And when you are actually underwriting these deals, it's going to be important to break apart these different types of units because they're all going to have different current rents. They're all going to have different rents once you actually stabilize the property. And they're all going to cost a different amount of money to actually renovate. You need to know all of that in order to have the most accurate underwriting as possible. Next, you're going to see SQ feet, which is square footage. And so that is just the measurement that is common and standard that's used for the unit sizes. So for here, we've got A2, which is 806 square feet, whereas the A1 is 741 square feet. So as I mentioned, that A1, A2 difference is the square footage. Next, you're going to see residence, which all those are blank because I don't want to include people's names on here without their permission. But that is where you will find the name of the person occupying that unit or the names. So if it's a two-bedroom unit, then you might have two names under that residence tab. Next, you're going to have the status or the lease status. So on this particular rent roll, it just says C for the majority of the units. Some of them say UE. I think I saw like a CR on here as well. So from my perspective, looking at this right now, I don't really know what any of those actually mean. 
because C, U, E, C, R are probably designations that are used internally for the property management company. So if that is the case, I don't want to know what those mean, but typically you can look at the rent roll and look at, okay, so there's a lot of C's. So I'm assuming that C's are just units that are leased. There's a couple of ones that say UE, but the ones that say UE don't have a rent next to it, or they have a subsidized rent next to it. So it must be referring to units that are subsidized. And okay, then the, the one that says CR, that's a vacant unit. So sometimes you can kind of figure it out yourself, but just to be sure, I'd definitely reach out to the property management company, the owner, the broker to figure out what those mean. Other times, the status will be more obvious of what it means. So for example, in rent rolls, it might let you know about the actual lease status or the occupancy status of the unit. And examples of those would be, you might say occupied, no NTV, which means that the unit is obviously currently occupied and that NTV means notice to vacate. So that means that the person's living there, but they don't have a notice to vacate. So it's just a normal unit, normal person's living there. They're not being evicted. They're just living there until the end of their lease. And then at that point, the code might change to occupied pending renewal, which means that they are living in that unit. They're towards the end of their actual lease, but they've already renewed their lease. And so there's waiting for that new lease to actually start. So for that case, you're going to see when they moved in, and when their new lease starts, so when their new lease actually ends. You might also see occupied NTV, which means that the unit is occupied, but there is some sort of notice to vacate. So in that case, you're going to see a move-out date. So whatever date that notice told them they need to vacate by will be that move-out date. You might also see a code that says occupied NTV leased, which means that the unit is currently occupied. The current occupant has received a notice to vacate but that unit is already also leased. So for those, you're going to see a lot of different rows for that unit. So it'll have the current tenant's name, what rent they're paying, when they moved in, when their lease started, when their lease ends, and when they're moving out. And then you're going to have another resident, what their rent's going to be, when they're supposed to move in, the lease start will be the same as the move-in date, and then when the lease is supposed to end. And there's also different types of vacant codes, because obviously a, a unit isn't just vacant. It's either vacant and leased, which means that no one's living there now, but the unit is leased to someone, so it'll have a name, it'll have a move-in, at least start and at least end date. Or it might be a vacant not leased, which means that no one's living there and there are no leases pending, so essentially everything will be blank. Or it might be a vacant down or a vacant admin, which means that the unit is not leased and is either being used for other purposes, so a model unit, an administration unit, a maintenance unit, or it means that the unit is down for one reason or another. So maybe there's some renovation that needs to be done to it. Maybe the previous tenant completely destroyed the unit and you're waiting on replacing something. You don't really know what that means. So if you do see a high amount of these down units, you'll definitely want to ask the management company what's going on there. I think that's a good place to stop for this episode. We've gone over the unit, unit type, square footage, residence, and those status codes. Tomorrow, we're going to finish talking about the remaining metrics, which is the market rents, the description codes for the different charges that they're being charged, and lease terms, and a few other things. And then we'll finish up by talking about some of the summarized data tables you might find on the rent roll, as well as how to find what data on this rent roll needs to be used to underwrite the deals. So that concludes part one. In order to listen to the other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications, which I highly recommend because 
we're kind of getting into the weeds now and getting some more detailed strategies and things that need to be done in order to complete your first deal. And if you don't have that educational foundation from those previous 12 series, you might be a little bit confused. So I recommend listening to those, checking out those free documents. All those are available at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.